Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of our community podcast. Where our community is your community. Brought to you by the Hispanic business community here in Orange County. Powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. With our El Presidente today here, some special guests, some special holiday treats here. Uh, who you got, Ruben? Uh, somebody I've known for 26 years. Really? Yeah, long, long time friend here. Long time <laughs> friend, known her for a little bit. Uh, full disclosure, it's my daughter, Lauren <laughs> Franco, uh, who has been around, been very around the chamber for, I think, all her life, yeah. pretty much. So. Grew up here. Somebody told me when she used to sing. I I still do. Still does. Yeah, since I was ten, I started singing the national anthem at their big uh, Hispanic Chamber Estrella Awards every year. Right. There's archival footage. So she's going to do that today. That's going to end the show. Yeah. 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 She. Yeah. It was pretty amazing that that evening. It was like 600 people, and she was 10 years old. I'm going. Can she really pull this off? And I knew she could sing, but it's like. Can she sing in public? In public, in a big, <laughs> with a big crowd. Yeah. And sure enough, we did a practice a run, and she goes, where do I stand? Where do I look? Okay. At 10, she wants I to know her, 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 got, her. Oh, yeah. yeah she, knew. she wants to hit her mark. And, her mark, and, 10, and yeah. she knocked it out of the park, and she's been doing it ever since. Yeah, so. acapella, too, which is uh, the worst. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that song. That yeah. song yeah, is a, just. That's a hard song to sing. Yeah. But, Every year, yeah. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget the words. What are the words? Yeah. But very proud of her doing that that young and what she's done so far. And, you know, so we'll talk about a little bit what she's done in the community and what she's doing. But why don't you, Lauren, why don't you tell our guests, this podcast is called Our Community is Your Community. and want to share with our community our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words. In you don't have to have words. your dad say it. But grew up here in Orange County. I've been in New York now. I live in New York. I'm home for the holidays. But I live in New York City in Manhattan in the West Village. And I've been there for like seven years, almost eight. I went to NYU. Um, I went to Orange County High School of the Arts, and that was a, a local name. Um, studied acting and, and singing there and then ended up going to New York, and I've been there ever since. But I um, I started a nonprofit when I first moved to the city, which we can talk about, called Girls Who Gather, and that's still running today. We just celebrated six years uh, last weekend. Actually, we had a big event. They were like, you know, hundred people that came to celebrate with us, and we have six locations across the world. We got our nonprofit license in 2020, so I do that. Uh, that is a side gig, and then my full time job. I work at a place called Endeavor, which is a massive media entertainment conglomerate. It doesn't get any bigger. Than <laughs> it does not. Then they buy bigger. William Morris. Yeah. It? So WME. So Endeavor is the umbrella. WME um, exists within that massive talent agency. IMG, they've just bought WWE and they own UFC, professional bull riding, like so many things. Um, and they're t- negotiating to buy OC Talk Radio. Yes, I didn't know they are. I heard. <laughs> I'm not allowed to disclose that, actually. Um, and I work on the fashion side of things. So my team is the team that puts on New York Fashion Week. So I work on all of the marketing and partnerships and sponsorships for Fashion Week, or designers and talent and all that to make it come to life and then live produce it. And then I also act and sing still, um, just kind of got back into it recently and um, something I really love. I don't know. That, is that good? Is that, no, that's, that's <laughs> is that a, enough about me? That's a good start. Yeah. What, we have a lot of young people that are around the chamber with our youth chamber and yeah. others that listen in and stuff like that. Do you have any life lessons you learned at OSHA 
maybe that you could <laughs> share? Because I know OSHA was very competitive, very, yes. uh, but you learned a lot there, and it was great to go see the performances. But there had to be something that you uh, Ooh, that you can share with people. I did love OSHA. I wasn't. I, it was uh, a very different high school experience because you're there. Essentially, you know, it's a conservatory school, so you're there from. Eight, whenever, 8 or 9 a.m., and then you have your academic classes until around 2.30, and then you have a little break, and you go to your conservatory courses until 5, 5.30, and then you're in rehearsals after that. So you really are at school, like, all the time. It's your whole life, um, which I loved because it was – performing was, you know, also what I loved. So it, to get to kind of have that all in one package was great. And I think the teachers understood that they were teaching young artists, so I think the curriculum – it was still really challenging, and there were a lot of really – um, competitive courses, but it also I think they they learned to like speak our language a little bit and gave us more creative projects to to learn and comprehend. So that was great. Lessons, I think I learned how to manage my time really early on because you have to. You don't. I mean, I was like never home for right. all of high school. I remember. So I think you you have to figure out when you're going to do your homework, when you're going to complete your assignments, when you're going to study your lines. Like I think at a really young age, it you know. 13, 14, however you are, old you are when you start high school, um, you are learning how to manage time and getting things done. So that was a huge life lesson. I think also just the OSHA really taught me a lot of professionalism. Um, I think a lot of people come out of high school and they're still kids to some extent. We were too, but I think we were around a lot of, they would bring professional artists in. I performed with a lot of Broadway stars throughout my time there. And you like are for they're really rigorous about how you carry yourself in a room, how you walk into a room to audition, how you, you know, talk about what you do. How so? I think professionalism from a young age. Um, I don't know; those are big life lessons, but there's definitely things I. My time at OSHA it was great. It was hard, but it was great. Yeah, well, no, definitely that's a that's a great learning lesson. You get who did you get to perform with? You did a song with Eden Espinosa. So was, she is she was Alphaba on Broadway. Um, which is wicked, right? which is wicked. Yeah. Okay. Wicked. Um, and she came and we do a show called performing with the pros every year and they bring in a pro of some sort. And she, um, she came in and I remember like the, the show is essentially set up. It's, it's mostly things that she's been in like songs from wicked. We did, mm -hmm. she'd been in rent. So we did a lot of rent songs right. and then they just kind of were like, I, I think I wrote, I had written this song. It was like, I started songwriting when I was, I guess 15, maybe about all the boys that broke my heart. Um, but I wrote this one song, which and, my dad and, loved. And, and pissed me off. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just all for my dad. And so um, I wrote this song about like stars needing darkness to shine or something. And it was and I came in and I played it for her on the piano and I was so nervous because she's in, she's incredible. If you've ever seen Wicked on Broadway, like the alphabets can sing like they're the best singers in the world. Right. Um, she was so talented. And so I sing, I'm like shaking and playing the piano. I look up at the end and her and the director of our conservatory were just crying and she's like we need to put that in the show um and I'll, i want to sing it with you and i was like okay so i taught this broadway legend my song and we sang it and it was like the most surreal thing ever as you know yeah. i was like 16 it was crazy yeah i, don't know. I remember the video somewhere i don't know <laughs> I, I think so but yeah that was that was a pretty amazing moment when you get to see your young daughter do something like that too. I know. Well, you also did something which was pretty cool too. That uh, Bluebird Cafe. Yeah, I was tell, tell say. people about the Bluebird. So the Cafe. Bluebird Cafe is where, if you're familiar with country music, it's where Taylor, like Taylor Swift, I think, got discovered there. It's like everybody has played there really early in their career. All the country music stars. It's in Nashville. And we have family in in uh, Tennessee, so we would go every year. And I was like, when I really got on the songwriting uh, kick, I was like, 
we have to go to the Bluebird. And it it's I don't know if it still works this way, but you have to wait in a line. It has certainly opened the the list at like four or something p.m. And you wait in a line, and there were like two hundred people in line, and it's essentially a lottery. And then I got picked, and I wasn't even. I don't even think I was allowed in that bar because it's a bar and I was like 15, right. but they let me in and I played my song about getting broken up with and it was called should have known. And it, <laughs> it was like, it was, I mean, I had a lot of boldness at that age, but um, yeah, I got to play at the bluebird when I was like, and all credit to them. They, they took me on all these. I mean, you would drive me to auditions when I got my agent from orange County to LA. If, is a long drive some days. It's a long drive. For like a 15-minute audition. Yeah. So you've always been supportive of that. Yeah. Well, you have to be if that's what you're you know, yeah. passionate about and that's what you love. And that's what I admire about all the kids at OSHA, and yeah. not just including you, but all. It was fun driving you guys to school because every time <laughs> I drove you guys to school when you're underage, uh, it was a concert in the yep. back back of the car. Oh, just my gosh. It. We literally, yeah, yeah we, we would sing. We'd just, have choreographed. Yeah. yeah, and and <laughs> in one year, you you started playing music from a a show called Hamilton, oh. and I going, I'm, and I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, there's a show about the treasure of the United States, that's a Broadway musical. Yeah. And there's music. I said, what, sign me up. What planet are you <laughs> on? And I just, I was just dumbfounded that somebody could be that creative and do something, and then yeah, and then we actually we got to see it. For the first time a few, weeks my, ago. a few weeks ago on Broadway with you mm-hmm. uh, in New York when mm-hmm. I had a board meeting in New York. And that was pretty amazing. When you think about so the talent fun. that it took and kind of the creativity it took to, to do it. So we do definitely appreciate going back and watching Broadway or going yeah. to Seekers from here and watching shows and just. Yeah, uh, there's the, nothing the, like the talent live. level. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, that show especially. I mean, the whole thing is, the entire thing is right. sung or wrapped right. through. There's like, right. there's no other lines. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so specific. And yeah, yeah he's brilliant. He's the Shakespeare of our generation. Yeah, he's, def- he's definitely good. You got to get him on here. We'd like to get him here. We'd like to get him into Australia. This is your formal Australia, request. Australia win. one year. That'd be great <laughs> as well. But yeah, he would be great to have yeah. out here in LA or Orange County. So definitely, I would cry. So you got to go to New York, NYU. You got you got into some great schools, but you decided to go three thousand miles away from your parents yeah. and your family. Yeah. Um, why? About <laughs> <laughs> the real reason or the <laughs> the talk radio reason? <laughs> um, uh, oh gosh, I mean, I knew I wanted to be in New York from like I was like ten. I'd never yeah. we'd never been to New York, and I just was like, no, I I need to go to New. York. I remember. All my cousins wanted to go to big state schools. I don't know if you remember this, but we were at my Aunt Lisa's house one day. And, you know, Gigi, my own cousin's like, I'm going to go to Baylor. I'm going to be at this football school. Everyone, and I'm like, I'm going to go to New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, go to NYU where there's no sports. And um, I just knew when I was really young. I think we visited once when I was a junior. It was the most disgusting day. It was like summer. It was hot, rain, humid, disgusting. Yeah. But I was like, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, yeah, I did. I got into a, a couple of different schools and I had applied kind of across the board. And I think when it came down to it, I just, I loved new NYU was, um, it's a really global education. They're, they're a huge population of international students and teachers from all around the world. And I think I, I love Orange County, but I really was craving like just a diversity of people and thought and just like from all over the world and kind of this melting pot. And I really wanted to be in a big city. And so, and New York, I think, was a good mix for me with art, all the things that have to do with Broadway and arts, and then also just justice. I had a huge bend, you know, to to study right human rights and policy, and so 
an NYU's program that I got into was a design your own major program. So you essentially got to kind of find the different things you wanted to study, bring them together, and then you wrote your own curriculum. And then you have to present it to a board in front of a or present it in front of a board, kind of like a thesis at the very end of your time there. So for a bachelor's degree, it was pretty intense, but I studied the intersection of um, media and film and television and then policy and law. So I was really interested in the way and still am. That's still the dream is to, you know, kind of, I think the stories that we tell and the things we watch on TV and film really have an impact on how we think and how we empathize and who we relate to. And you watch a TV show and you're, you're moved by a character and that that can influence the way that you think and vote and what's important to you issue-wise. So I'm, I'm interested in the way that we can kind of use film and TV for good, especially in human rights spaces. And I don't know, there's just so much like intersection we don't even really think about. So yeah, that's, I don't know, that was, that was kind of why I just I wanted to, and why you offered me the ability to do both. And I, I originally went in for musical theater and they, have an interview portion and it was supposed to be like 15 minutes and I came out like an hour later because <laughs> we just started talking about all these other things and so you talking for more than an hour really yeah okay. how long is this I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know well well yeah we got to I know typically NYU uh, you, you graduated during COVID yeah unfortunately and, uh, they brought here. Billy Crystal on virtually to <laughs> To talk to you guys yeah. for like five minutes, he did a kind of a. He actually Billy Crystal is a pretty funny guy, but this wasn't that funny to be honest. No, sad. Uh, but fortunately, last year they they made a yeah. make a makeup to you guys, uh-huh. and you got to graduate. And tell us where you get to graduate from when you go to NYU. Where's where's oh, the graduation? At? Well, yeah. So this is really devastating because so I went home in March of 2020, thinking it would be for two weeks, as we all did, and ended up staying for the next six months and it was you know we graduated in may and they did it online and it was the weirdest thing i'm like in my pajamas sitting on zoom and in my hat and you guys are trying to make it special we had a you know i think in our driveway we had some people over but it was just so weird and i was really sad because the biggest thing about graduating from nyu was one they light the empire state building purple which is the nyu color and then you graduate in yankee stadium and so it was just so sad that I didn't get to, I'd been looking forward to that for years and then so last year they did a makeup graduation with Taylor Swift um which you know was was great but we got to go back to Yankee Stadium and do a big hurrah and it was great but it was it was weird because I've been two years graduated and I'm in my robe and people are congratulating me for something I did yeah. two years ago and right. <laughs> it was you know but it was, but I'm glad they did it and it was fun yeah. yeah well then you had your breakout for your school too yes with and Forrest, Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker mm-hmm. who gave a great very inspirational yeah. his speech daughter yeah, or daughter, son daughter, daughter true or yeah something like that she yeah. she was in my program so yeah. yeah yeah but that was great I didn't like some of your professors that got up I and know. spoke but they were a little bit out there for me and I turned to my wife Annette and I said you know what? I want my money back. From this okay. School. Well, you weren't. I, the other option was that I was going to go to USC, and that was even yeah worse. It wasn't going to happen. For you're a UCLA grad. UCLA, so, yeah. so you know, yeah, you're. Just, so you did me a you did me a solid. I did you a you favor. Did me a solid there. Yeah, that's for sure. And I did. I deferred for two years too, so I stayed home. Yeah. With y'all for another two years. Yeah. So we got to see you. Yeah. More. So that was good. Yeah. So after NYU, you went to work for where? Where did you go? Where did Your you go? Your favorite to... place in the world. The DOJ. I worked for the DOJ, which was... Which which is? The Department of Justice. Thank you. Yeah, not okay. everyone knows that. Yeah. That's true. I was telling my foreign friend the other day. I was like, yeah. I am for the DOJ. She's like, the what? The what? Yeah. <laughs> I worked for the Department of Justice. I 
that was my I got hired right out of school, which was kind of random. I had applied in February of that year. I was graduating, didn't hear literally anything. I, I just assumed nothing was coming of it. And then the week that I graduated, they emailed me and they said, we'd like to interview you. And I got the job the week that I the week after I graduated. Um, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to take it because I didn't want to move from New York to D.C., but it was entirely remote for most of the time that I was there. But my office is I would go in periodically. The office is right off the National Mall. It's that big justice building. Um, I was paralegal. I worked in the antitrust division and uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good experience. I mean, you get to do a lot as a young person. My first job out of college, I was on these massive cases that, you know, were national news and right. for companies. I'm not, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention my work on it, but it's a public case now, but it was, it was wild. Just, I mean, these are huge companies that antitrust is, has to do with monopolies in the market and not one company or organization having too much power. So we would look at mergers and acquisitions and evaluate them. And it was, I mean, it was, it was an interesting thing, but I think it ultimately it was, you know, it's hard for my personality. It's very creative and outgoing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Legalese. And- well, I'd be like, Hey guys, what's your heart for justice? Like what moves you? Why are you here? And they're like, what? why are you? Yeah. Why are you asking me this question? They're just trying to take down the bad guys. Yeah, right. yeah. But it was great. I learned a lot. I got to be on some pretty big cases with some major players. That's cool. So, so you didn't really live in D.C., but you, you, you got to go to D.C., obviously, because yeah. that's where your office was. And mm-hmm. you, but you wanted to stay in New York. So what happened from the Department of Justice to where you're at today? So, I yeah, I worked there for like two and a half years. And they had they were remote most of the time, and then they actually did go back there was a mandate a federal mandate, one day a week um and i i asked to get that they knew i lived in new york and i asked to get that like extended and because i didn't want to leave and they it had to go it was a memo that went all the way up to the attorney general and it was crazy but they extended it for another 10 weeks and there was another COVID outbreak so then that it pushed it back anyway by november i was going to have to move to dc knew that i didn't want to do that i knew my time was kind of closing there. Um, so I was applying to other jobs and I knew that I wanted to do something just more creative, something that was, I think allowed me to be around people. And so I applied to so many jobs. I applied to so many jobs. It was, last year was rough cause it was a lot of no's, but also just a lot of ghosting. You apply and you work really hard on something and then no one responds, um, which is even worse. And then the literally two weeks before, maybe three, I was going to have to move. I was at my wits end. I was just thinking I was going to have to quit and freelance or something um a friend of mine reached out and she said that she'd been interviewing at endeavor and they'd offered a position and she is an artist and she wanted to just do art full-time she didn't want to work in corporate and she's like i actually think you'd be a great fit for this role and so she sent my resume to my now boss um and she emailed back right away we interviewed and then they actually ended up offering me a position on the marketing team that was a lot she she called me that weekend after interviewing me and, and asked me um, if I'd be interested in something that was actually a lot higher than what I was qualified for, but they wanted to train me. And she's just like, I think, you know, you run your own nonprofit and you've produced a lot of, at that point in the last year or two, I was producing some short films and working on a lot of events. And so she had seen that and was like, I think you can do it. I think we can, you know, make this happen. So I was hired the next week, literally like a day before I had to go back to DC. So it all works out. That's cool. And you've got to do a few fashion weeks now. Mm-hmm. You've been there. How long have you been there? A little over a year. 
Okay, so yeah. you've done two. Yeah. And so what's who are some of the more exciting people you've gotten to see and work with? And um, I mean, it's all exciting. It's I, like Fashion Week is such a strange <laughs> like beast because um, it's essentially. It's kind of like the devil wears Prada type. Type yeah. Stuff, right? Well, yeah, if that's you, what everyone if thinks. People are familiar with the movie. At least yes. I, that's what I look at it as. Being mm-hmm. Well, Fashion Week is, if for those who aren't familiar, it's essentially when the collection for the next season, actually two seasons, I guess, depending on the the designer, uh, launch, and and they show it on the runway. And so, you know, we're I don't people don't realize that there are like sometimes upwards of like ten shows per day, and this goes on for the entire week. So. It, you know, we're doing our team produces all a lot of those shows. And then my team works with the sponsors who make it all come to life. So um, I get to work on like, you know, last year, Waldorf Astoria was a partner and they activated a huge VIP lounge. And so we had some celebrities in there all week, designers, there were toasts. It was really I mean, it was beautiful. It was a it looked like the Waldorf Astoria. They took this empty room and they made it look like you were walking into the Waldorf lobby. So it was really that was really fun. And then they did a partnership with a designer called Proenza Schooler. And I got to help with that. There was a production element to that. We shot this like film. And um, so it was really exciting. I think in terms of the coolest people, I mean, Angela Bassett came last season. I got to hang out with her in the lounge. I was like defending her from her fans. Um, right. <laughs> so that was fun. A lot of the designers are great. I mean, I don't know. I I mean, Rosario Dawson was there with us too. She's a sweetheart. Zoe De Chanel came. I don't know. There's always people in and out because fashion shows are they attract the high, especially New York Fashion Week. It's crazy. So. Yeah, yeah. Runway, <laughs> runway models, all the yeah. people we see in the uh, the what do you call it? People magazine and all those type of things and mm-hmm. stuff. So. Well, that's great. So are you excited about being there? I mean, is it something that sounds like I, I see it in your voice that you are, I see it in your yeah. eyes. I love it. I think, you know, Endeavor is a, they are really at the forefront of entertainment, which makes me excited. I think what I do is a little siloed from the entertainment side of things, but I get to be in these meetings with the agents and the heads of the company and the way that they talk about kind of what they're what's coming down the pipeline is really exciting. I think that, you know, it's a neat business model too, because WME is a massive agency. And typically the way an agency works is you, you know, the agent's job is to find work for their clients. And because Endeavor is what it is, I think they can kind of work from within. So they have their clients, but then they also have a lot of other mechanisms within Endeavor that make content and that, you know, are doing events and partnerships and launching businesses and their clients can, they can find work, you know, with their own, using their own colleagues, which I think is really interesting. It's not really, there aren't other agencies doing that, yeah, really. It's, it's a pretty comprehensive so ecosystem, right? Yeah. Diff- a little bit different than just being siloed. Yes, it's somewhere. a smart business model for sure. Yeah. So it's exciting to, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I like it. I could see myself there for a while or moving around um, in the company. So I don't know. We'll see. And you even got to meet Aria Manuel? The, very briefly. He very was briefly. just like in the room. Yeah. Party, <laughs> party. But that's for people who don't know, that's the yeah. character that Ari Gold oh, on Entourage is based based off yeah. of. Yeah. You know, Dad so, loves that show. Yeah. But a pretty pretty fun show. Yeah. Fun he show. really embraces that, I will say. He loves that. that. Yeah, I mean, he should. I mean, it's, he's, it's larger. <laughs> pretty iconic. Than, it's larger than life. It's I know. Icon- it is iconic. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's a smart man. Yeah. He really is. Well, you got all these other things going on, and then you still started a nonprofit. National nonprofit, or even more than international, international, international nonprofit, yeah. back in 2020, the 
like yeah. young age of what, 22 or so? Well, it started in 2017, kind of. Okay. So basically the story was that I, when I moved to New York, I kept at that. So yeah, I mentioned earlier, I deferred for two years after high school. So I'd gotten into NYU. I had signed with an acting agent actually and felt like I was supposed to stay and audition and give it a shot. And so I did that for a year. I ended up staying a second year actually like kind of, I mean, I, I feel like I found faith in that year and I stayed a second year and, and was doing um, really involved in our in our church saddleback over here and and then was doing some uh, mission and human rights work abroad and so it was like I was in Rwanda I was in Berlin I was in Mexico and then finally went back to New York and at that point I had really just been I don't know I, I think in that time period I worked with a lot of women who were doing a lot of amazing things back here and around the world so I was just really fascinated by women in general and female friendships and so I would I met a lot of girls and I would go out to coffee with them and I'd hear their stories. And it just seemed like everybody had a similar, I, a lot of them had experienced like hard relationships with other women, friends, being a female friend is hard. You know, I, I mean, I went through my fair share of stuff with girls growing up. They were really mean, but, um, and then also just, it's a hard, it's hard to find community in New York. It's a very big city. There's so many people and you just assume that everybody has their friends. But they don't, and a lot of times they just don't know where to connect. So I got together with some friends, and we wrote questions, and we hosted an event. And I, you know, the questions were all supposed to kind of just sort of bring out people's vulnerability and talk about how you're doing and whatever. And um, I was like, no one's going to come to this thing. <laughs> like we, you know, it was like on Facebook, and right. there was a blizzard that day. It was a, it was SantaCon, which SantaCon is when everybody dresses up like Santa and day drinks all throughout the city. Um, okay. so no, I was not high. I didn't have high hopes for people showing up to this, but there were about 40 women that came to my little dorm and we were all squeezed in there. Um, were they wearing Santa suits? No, okay. <laughs> they were not. Thank, right. thank the Lord. Um, and then it just kept going. Like people were like, when's the next one? And we're like, oh, the next one. <laughs> right. Um, and so we started hosting events and then girls found out about it in other cities and they contacted us and they wanted to host their own. So we replicated our, our you know, curriculum, if you will, or the questions and sent them over. And it just started growing. I think it, I realized that this was in communities in need everywhere. I mean, you talk about community, but it, it just people, especially I think, and what we found now post-grad is that there's sort of a gap. You're in your nine to five, you're not in college anymore. So you don't have immediate access to people your age with your similar, you know, ideas and going through the same things. So where do you find your friends? Like, right. what if I'm not making my friends in my, in my nine to five job? So when it grew past college, um, there was a, it was just really obvious that this is, we needed to kind of change the demographic focus on women kind of in their early mid careers, like twenties, thirties. And now, um, we have six locations across the country. And then we just started one in Japan as well, which is crazy. So, um, yeah, they, we have a podcast for that as well. So I interview women who are doing different things in, in different career paths and can kind of speak wisdom over our girls. But yeah, it's been really wild to watch it grow. I have a team of about 20 women who are all over. Um, we meet every other week and then I meet with my directors. There are five of them every usually every week or every other week. But yeah, we and we just celebrated six years and we're excited to I mean, it's really gained a lot of traction online with TikTok especially girls are just finding it on TikTok and coming to our events. They don't know anyone. They don't know anything about it. And they show up and they make friends. And it's been really beautiful to see it grow. So, Well, 
What and what's your kind of like uh, long term hope for this? I mean, I think I really want to see these groups kind of happening all over. I think ideally, I, and we have kind of grown. We did sort of a rebrand last year, and we decided too that we were really going to focus in on both community and starting locations and having events kind of all over, but then also building this next generation of women leaders. So, you know, if you look at statistics, it's supposed to take like 200 years to close the gap between men and women in leadership positions. And so I think the dream is also to see women built up in their leadership, you know, for the future as well. So yeah, just really empowering. What's the website and what's the podcast name? So the website is uh, thegirlswhogather.com and the podcast is the Girls Who Gather podcast. So Very cool. Yeah, and the Instagram is Girls Who Gather. So now check you, it out. You got to go to Rwanda, which is you know pretty amazing. Rwanda, Berlin, Mexico, and you yeah. always had on your heart going to on mission trips. What was it like being in Rwanda? What did you What did you learn there? Yeah, well, Rwanda is amazing. I mean, it is... They have been through a lot, experienced a genocide in 96, 97. And it was their own. The interesting thing about that is it was their own people. Like yep. it was neighbor, yeah. you know, it was one clan versus another. And yep. the country is eventually divided into two. And so, I mean, just seeing the reconciliation that's taken place since then is wild. To, I don't think we can comprehend it here. But it's just, it was really beautiful and wild. Um and they also, you know, I think something interesting that's happening there is they're really, the number of orphanages is going down significantly. A lot of families in the local churches actually are adopting these children um, because the, the narrative of, of the gospel is essentially that we're adopted into God's family. So they feel compelled to adopt kids, even though some of them already have 10, 11 children, they're mm -hmm. adopting another one. Um, so I think they're going to be one of the first countries to know orphans. This is happening like widespread across the country. So that was, we were going and we were training lay social workers to work um, because a lot of the kids have had a lot of trauma. So we were helping teach people in the churches to, you know, how to help families kind of manage children with trauma and help, you know, heal. And so it's beautiful. But I learned a lot. I mean, I, I think I learned that like forgiveness is, can be countrywide thing and, and it should be a personal thing as well. And just, the resilience of human beings is astounding. So I don't know. I learned yeah. a lot. <laughs> and I think well, I learned that you like when you help empower and teach versus just going. And I think that the bad thing about mission trips, short term mission trips can often be that you go and you build something and you leave and or you go and you, you know, go to an orphanage and you hold babies and then you leave like that just creates another bond that you're breaking. Again, right. those kids have already had plenty of people leave them. So the, the best thing that you can do is just go and and just support what's already being done or just like help something that's going to be more long-term or helping a community invest in itself so that when you leave, it is still there. It's not, you're not creating more damage. So, right. No, that's a good, that's, that's a important. good point. But you do recommend people going on mission trips though. Yeah. I would say that if it's really something you're called to, yes, but not going just to like feel like you are doing something good. I don't think it's has to be for the right reasons. And I also think longer is, is, better in right. most cases um, or really if you're called to mission work being there and being in the community and investing in the community for a long period of time is always better than just kind of going and leaving but okay well, we're getting we're getting close to the end of our time unbelievably wow. but uh, it did fly uh, by it did fly by <laughs> I, told, I told you it would I was like uh, what are we going to talk about yeah. he wouldn't give me any answers he just right. said it was going to don't worry about it it's going to fly <laughs> but is there any last thoughts you'd like to share with our audience 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to community, right, which is your your whole your whole deal. I mean, I, I gather is specific to this age range of women, but I, yeah. I would say I've heard from a lot of moms who hear what we're doing or da- even dads and people in all different stages that they, you know, it, it is hard to make friends or it's hard to connect with new people and be real with people. So just start to create that in your own life. Um, you can kind of be the change that you want to see um, wherever you are. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I'd say. Okay. New York is great. Come visit. Yeah. Well, you can't get out of Orange you, County. You can't for a tell sec. me you're speech, <laughs> speechless because that's never happened before <laughs> in your life. But uh, want to thank you for being on our podcast and thank you for being part of the chamber for all yeah. these years since you were little. And uh, we want to thank our audience for listening. We want to thank our audience because Christmas is uh, right around the corner, a few days away, and want to uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and a blessed and happy New Year. And thank you for being part of the. Hispanic Chamber in our community, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again all next year. And thank you, Lauren, for being on. Yeah, appreciate thank you for it. having me, Dad. You're welcome. <laughs> wow. Well, there's a story, and and a few, the kind of stories we love to share as we meet our community, sponsored by the Hispanic Business Community here in Orange County, and powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. As we stream live over OC Talk Radio from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. From our community to the whole community, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next year.